Hey everyone, welcome to Race, Justice, and the Church. I'm your host, Nate Winstead. You can follow me at Nate, Knight with a K, wins. Today we're talking with my good friend, Jonathan Springer. This is going to be a really good conversation. Uh, But before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you to consider leaving a rating and writing a review in Apple Podcasts. It really makes a huge difference in letting people know about this podcast. So if this has been helpful for you, if you enjoy these conversations, please let people know by leaving a rating and writing a review. Thanks. What's up, Jonathan? What's up, man? So Jonathan is a teacher of history for high school students in New York City. He's part of the uh, the DOE. Uh, he is uh, also the youth and music leader at his church, Ebenezer Gospel Tabernacle in Harlem. Uh, and this church has been a bedrock home for uh, the Caribbean immigrant community for over 100 years in Harlem, which is pretty amazing. Uh, Jonathan and I know each other because we were fellow seminarians at Alliance Theological Seminary in New York. And I remember having so many conversations with Jonathan. I'm like, we have to have, we have to record one of these conversations and have him on the mic. So Jonathan, I'm so glad you're here, man. I'm happy that I'm here, man. So excited. (laughs) So yeah, tell us uh, just a little bit about yourself. Uh, Let the people know who you are. Yeah, man. um, I'm Brooklyn born and raised and uh, happen to be uh, a PK, just like you make. Um, and, uh, just born and raised in the church. I don't remember, I think the two pictures in my life has been the church and also my Caribbean heritage. Mm. I don't remember a time where I didn't have someone with a Caribbean accent, um, particularly someone from the, uh, the West Indies or the British islands, um, as you call it uh, around me. I used to actually think that I was from Barbados. Uh, and I was so disappointed when I found out that I wasn't from Barbados. That I was born <laughs> I in Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Yeah. Man. And uh, it, it just, um, but uh, just uh, shows you how you know, New York City is uh, kind of structured. I, I grew up in a very um, densely um, populated area that was densely populated by Caribbean immigrants, the migrants, mm-hmm. both from Latin Caribbean and from an English speaking islands and or Anglophone islands, people would say and some Francophone islands like Haiti and uh, Guadeloupe. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's like central Brooklyn. Uh, I grew up in East New York, um, um, Brownsville and uh, um, the very, you know, working class neighborhood. Some people yeah. have a certain reputation there's a reputation out there about <laughs> east new york brownsville that isn't you know so great but right you know i i love my neighborhood and uh i've been fine living here all my life and uh, uh as a, a child of the city i spend my time a lot of time not only in brooklyn but also in harlem where my church is yeah um harlem at one point was a uh the center of the caribbean community and mm. Spread out over the years since the 1920s, as, as and, and we have been uh, talking about the Caribbean population, a uh, a very um, uh, important um, and significant um, driver of industry in this city and of of, of especially in the area of education where I'm in. So I'm so I, thankful. I, yeah, I told you all, Jonathan was a history teacher. He's giving us some yeah. history right here. <laughs> 
Yeah, man. Well, but yeah, that's that's you know just in a nutshell. Um, I'm I'm a product of the city, and I'm also a product of migration, mm. um, because my family has, like many Caribbean migrants, has constantly migrated throughout um, the Caribbean and also back and forth between the United States and the Caribbean and other areas in the Atlantic um, region. So you you mentioned being um, from Barbados and. Uh, you know, something you'd sent to me, you like to say uh, Bajan American. Is that right? How do you say that? Bajan. Everybody says, everybody messes it up. And so you're not the first. Now that you say it out loud, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. We're reading it. I'm like, uh, what is this? Yeah, man. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, like, recently, uh, I said that Rihanna, Rihanna is a famous pop singer. I call her Black Madonna. She's you know, um, from Barbados, man. And um, ah. she's actually closely related to me. She's actually, my parents are, she's from St. Michael. My mom is from St. Michael. Uh-oh. And <laughs> we're, uh, <laughs> I've met her one time, which is crazy. What? Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I actually met her. <laughs> we were t- this is when she was first starting. And um, this is like, actually when she was with Chris Brown. So I met Chris Brown and Rihanna. Um, oh man! And we were taking the same flight together. It was crazy. <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah, dope, I actually have man. a picture. Yeah, I have actually a picture of of Rihanna Drive, where um, in my one of my profile pictures, I'm right next to her, um, um, where she actually was grew up and raised in Bar- Barbados. So we we can call her our 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 queen, our uh, unofficial head of state. <laughs> Because recently Barbados, which was uh, under the British crown, mm-hmm. confirmed that they will remove the monarch from its republic. And uh, we we're one of the first Caribbean um, um, nations that were under the British crown. Yeah. We're, we're getting rid of the head of state, as <laughs> um, queen as our head of state. Goodbye, Queen Elizabeth II. Rihanna, <laughs> come yeah. come take the throne. Got it. That's right. <laughs> of all Thanks. people. Right. Oh, man, that's... that's... That's funny. That's awesome. If you could talk about just, you know, your relationship with Jesus, how you, um, right. how your faith has grown. And then, mm-hmm. um, if you could talk about Ebenezer gospel tabernacle a bit. Yeah. Um, I born and raised in the church. I don't remember a Sunday. I was not at church mm-hmm. and, um, it, it's in my lifeblood and, I, I'd be, uh, to be honest, even though I was saved or I would say I gave my heart to the Lord at 11 years old, I, I think the presence of God was always there mm. um, since I was, I can remember. Um, I, I, I believed in God. I, I loved Jesus. I knew God was, you know, um, my savior and that the need to repent and to turn away from my sins and, you know, and trust him, you know, mm. and that he was our hope and our only hope in this world. Um, and it, it's just funny because we have this kind of, uh, you know, anxious bench, you know, kind of, uh, uh, alter, you know, call theology within American evangelicalism, which says, you know, once you make that decision, you know, you, you got to make that decision because you don't know, you know, if you don't turn, you're going to burn. And so, <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah. Turn or burn, look so out. <laughs> I, I, you know. So I think I think following the passing on um, the early, the really um, the 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 unforeseen passing of my aunt, 
um, that really convicted me. Mm. This was in 2000 to like, to give my heart to the Lord, to like make that declaration. Mm. And I remember the revival service, June, 2001, I gave my heart to Christ and, uh, I'll be honest. I, I, I look back and I'm like, I don't even know what I was necessarily doing at that time per se yeah. in terms of like 11 years old, but I, I look back and I, in seminary and understanding theology and there's a lot of things I didn't know. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, you know, came to faith or I, you know, gave my life to Christ when I was 10 years old, and, oh, man, there's so much you don't know. But, you know, you know, one thing, you need you need Jesus, and you're going to surrender to him. Right, right. Which is, uh, mm-hmm. which is what you do need to know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, I was saved in, you know, in a holiness uh, church, Ebenezer Gospel Tabernacle, We've been in Harlem since 108 years, and our, we were founded by our Barbadian, um, actually a few, not just one, but several immigrants from the Caribbean um, who uh, were missionaries. And if I, I, I attend uh, uh, Christian Missionary Alliance uh, Seminary, uh, Alliance Theological Seminary, and there is this association or this, this link between um, the mission um, that, uh, that A.B. A. Simpson started, mm-hmm. um, his desire to, to, to um, evangelize the world, and um, my, my church organization, which has a missional focus too. Mm-hmm. And the, the, to make the long story short, and doing the research, and the Christian Mission um, Alliance somewhere in the late 19th and early 20th century had launched uh, missionary efforts to reach the Caribbean islands. And that uh, really uh, resulted in this organization called the Christian Mission of the West Indies Mm. and uh, another organization called the Christian Mission of Panama. Um, Why that's important is because um, one, it was, he, he, his, his, his idea was, was to have indigenous leaders, not uh, necessarily, you know, white European, white American, white Canadian leaders right. be the charge in, in, in mission or evangelizing the Caribbean, but to actually start an organization that will be led by pretty much Afro-Caribbean, and in the case of Panama, Afro-Latino um, mission, a missionary right. um, to to evangelize and bring the gospel to uh, the Caribbean. Yeah. And so that's awesome. Those, yeah. So that that's organization, sick. some members from that organization actually, um, <clears throat> who were planting churches in Panama and in Jamaica, Barbados, Trinidad, different, there's still that organization still exists. They, some of them traveled and settled in Northeast in America. Mm-hmm. Um, the founder of my church, he's from Barbados. His name is Egbert Farnham. Very weird name. <laughs> Egbert. Egbert. Come on. It's and... like Dilbert. Isn't there a, an Egbert or something? Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Egbert. <laughs> yeah, man. Nice. So is Eustace Egbert Farnham. So it's a Eustace Egbert Farnham. Um, so um, 
very Caribbean name. Very, we have these mm. very old English names. Yeah. And he, he, um, Eustace Egbert Farnham was, um, he was in Rhode Island. He was, a, he just retired from being a missionary and he met with, there was a, there was a small little gathering in midtown Manhattan that was doing Bible studies and they were, you know, holding services and they were comprised of several missionaries who are part of Christian missionary, uh, Christian mission of the West Indies, Christian mission of Panama. And they, so they knew each other and they knew he had the pedigree to be a pastor and to be a leader. And they called him and said, Hey, why don't you, you know, come and lead us in some, you know, um, you know, it's some, you know, some studies and it later evolved into him kind of pastoring or doing pastoral ministry. Mm. And it later evolved into taking the, um, the structures that they had from the Christian mission of the West Indies and using that to create a church, which for a few years up until 19, I would say 11, um, became uh, was called it was a Christian mission of the West Indies Church, and they took that name off and became Christian Mission of the USA. Mm. So even though we're 108 years, we have been in fellowship for longer than that. Wow! And um, it's it's just um, we're one of several or many stories of Caribbean um, or Pan Caribbean churches mm-hmm. in. Um, the, in the United States, particularly in like the area of New York City, um, Brooklyn, looking at Harlem, even I've heard of congregations in Boston, but where yeah. there are pockets of Caribbean migrants, we we have been one of one of several churches who have who kind of established ourselves around the turn of the 20th century, and uh, we're still in the neighborhood, still in Harlem, still mm-hmm. there on Lenox Avenue. Yeah, <laughs> about to Linux. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> right there on the corner. Yeah, I've I've uh, worshipped with you guys a few times. You got a you got an established building on the corner, man. That's yeah. With uh with a long history of um, right, right. You know, of people when they come to New York, you know, who do you know? Oh, you can go to Ebenezer Gospel. There's some people over there. You know, they'll help you get settled, and it's just a cool legacy that, you know, your congregation has had for over 100 years, which is insane, and there's there's so many churches like that, not just in Harlem, um, mm-hmm. which there are a lot, but like you said, throughout Brooklyn and throughout the world, like if you, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. can, uh, I'm sure there's a, I don't know if you call it like a Caribbean uh, diaspora or anything, right? You know, yeah, like specifically yeah. people from the Caribbean islands in, mm-hmm. yeah, in Canada and England and probably Australia mm-hmm. or something like English speaking places mm-hmm. all over the world, right? So cool. Now I want to uh, transition to now that you brought up Malcolm X. <laughs> so Jonathan and I, we first, I think we already knew each other, but we really got to know each other well uh, when we took class together. Uh, called Martin and Malcolm and a Theology of Justice. The class was life-changing, I would say, for me. So, Jonathan, for you in uh, taking that class, you know, what was the biggest impact or the biggest thing that you took away? Yeah, man. Um, you know, Martin Luther King said that justice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And 
you're caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied to a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. And uh, it really forced me to shape my theology of justice to, to think about, you know, what does God say, you know, about justice and what is, you know, uh, my, my role in, you know, being a, a, a prophet who speaks to the issues of justice, who, who confronts injustice wherever I go, but also provides a vision for what, you know, justice is supposed to be like, right? Mm. And that is a part of God's redemptive hope. Um, he, he came to not just bring peace, but also set things straight, you know, to mm. set the captives free. The captives were ca- in captivity, right, to political and social oppression. Right. And also spiritual oppression. Mm-hmm. And so you look at that with the children of Israel and you see, you know, that, that God is a deliverer. He is a liberator and he is our redeemer. And uh, he called us to be a light to the nations. You know, that we he called us. They said we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Mm-hmm. And, and we know God knows that um, the oppression the the um, injustice that you know we all go through and that human humanity has experienced because of the fall and it is the expectation of the church of every believer mm. to go out and to be an ambassador of justice and it just that class really woke me up to understand you know the call of us to um, be seekers of justice and to also understand that what I think is justice may not actually be justice. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. Because that, that also, for me, was like, it. the two would really check one another. Uh, uh, Malcolm X is just like, this is not justice. This is not equality. This is not, um, mm-hmm. this is not what we're looking for. Um, right. And he would also, you know, call out uh, Martin for, you know, his, his ties to white power structures and money. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. yeah so it, it 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 does make you question like what is real progress towards mm-hmm. towards justice yeah I, I was reading um faces at the bottom of the well by um Derek bell and um in the introduction of michelle mm-hmm. alexander she talks about you know how integration really isn't you know a form of justice and it's about the issue of quality of education versus mm. integrating you, you know black and white schools that's really at the heart of the issue and that you know when you think about the whole fight for immigration who really does it serve you know it doesn't really serve the black community in a way that's empowering and that provides justice and what we call for in many ways not necessarily to to integrate but we, to have the resources to 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 be able to if you're going to say separate but equal and there's no equality mm. of resources, then right. there's a contradiction right there. And um, there's so many ways um, you talk about how particular the civil rights movement was. It was very particular to, mm-hmm. to, to the middle class Southerner who was, mm. you know, lived in a very segregated, legally segregated um, 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 uh, circumstances. And that, um, didn't experience the level of poverty and kind of segregation, you know, they call it um, de facto segregation 
that you would see in urban areas and like that like Malcolm experienced. And uh, it, it was really about power. You know, we, we are asking for someone else to adjust themselves, not necessarily relinquish power, but to just give, you know, open up a door for me so I could come into your space. Mm, <laughs> you know, yeah. at your counters and sit in your theaters and drink from your fountain when it's about, you know, we being, you know, uh, not just at the table, but a part of the nation building process and having our rights being not just respected, but being treated as dignified human beings. And yeah. he was an important critique, Malcolm, to Martin. Um, I think they also show us where we are today politically. If you listen carefully to our candidates, you're hearing kind of, you know, Biden talks about, no, not Biden, in um, the Lord, in the, in the eulogy for um, uh, when the senator from, I'm forgetting his name right now, but uh, President Clinton on his eulogy for, forgetting the senator's name who passed, um, he, he mentioned this issue about, you know, how, you know, we, we didn't go toward a Stokely Carmichael type of like vision of justice and revolution. And we um, gotta get this guy's name right now, but it's not it's, Senator it's, John Lewis. Is that right? John Lewis. Yeah. yeah John okay. Lewis. Um, I see his face. I, I hear his voice. It's John <laughs> Lewis. Yeah and, yeah. and I was just thinking about how this is a white man, Bill Clinton, making a remark about, you know, black politics and how black politics is supposed to be, right? And in many ways, there's this like vision that Malcolm, that Martin expresses of like, um, kind of this universal brotherhood, mm. you know, of man and uh, versus Malcolm, who is more self-determinist, you know, by any means necessary, it's about us prioritizing ourselves. Whereas, you know, with Martin, it was like, we are the, kind of the um, the agent of change. We are the ones who are bringing healing to our nation. Mm. And this is about everybody, you know, both the oppressor right. and the oppressed, you know, yeah. kind of coming together to, to reconcile, you know, the issues that we have within our society. So um, I, our politics vacillates between those two extremes, I think, when it comes to yeah. the needs of Black people in America. Yeah, man. Oh, it's it's crazy how like even the same rhetoric, <laughs> the exact same rhetoric is used on both sides, um, the way that we talk about things. And it's really a tragedy that uh, both Martin and Malcolm were assassinated because, as we talked about in the class, which I had never heard any any discussions about, is how each of them towards the end of their ministries really started to come together, like in their ideologies, because, you know, Malcolm X had, he'd gotten out of the nation of Islam and he was open to white people, you know, supporting, giving money, that kind of thing. He's, I mean, he was, he was more open to that. And then on the other side, Martin Luther King towards the end of his ministry, is talking about 
things like it's like mm-hmm. maybe we do need to uh, focus on ourselves, focus on the black community for a while. Right. <laughs> you know, he's saying things like that and and talking about, like you said, the the economic power structures. MLK is talking about um, the sins of uh, I can't remember that you know militarism. Right. Um, capitalism and mm-hmm. uh, racism. I, I, I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know, those are the yeah. things that he's talking about. And it would have been amazing for, you know, the two of them to continue to, to work out right. those, yeah. to work out those ideas because it is so complicated. Yeah. I, I was eye opening to see how one, when, when there's the, the class also demystified a lot of the kind of like, um, the narratives around both these figures. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did not. Uh, I did not know about kind of how you know tenacious Malcolm went after Martin. I, I had no clue about you know how vilified Martin was and Malcolm were. Yeah. I, I just I didn't understand. Oh man, the dynamics. Um, the the power of the media to yeah <laughs> to frame the narratives. Uh, yeah. And it's just like the exact same things happening today, and it's mm-hmm. just powerful to to see, or, you know, back right. in the '60s how it was happening to them. Yeah, it's. I mean, today we we love the we, we, we they're heroes, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I think, you know, and I hear even people who on the on the conservative side that we know when they critique the black matters the black lives matters movement they're like we need to be more like martin but y'all shot and killed martin yeah he was called a communist and oh yes uh, all kinds of all the same rhetoric the that worst we the worst things yeah he's today. a communist he uh you know yeah <laughs> and, and all the same rhetoric that you see today applied to well, he was um, the the most hated man in America. Oh yeah, when he was killed, I think that was a headline. But yeah, man, it's these two figures. I think are the most important, um, particular to um, to the issue of um, you know our conscious as a nation, our moral conscious, and discussing really the issue of um, you know justice and. I think they're the two most important figures in America in the 20th century. Um, I think you cannot study American history without studying Malcolm and Martin. There's no way you have to study those two. And unfortunately, so few people read Malcolm and Martin. The, yeah. the, just we don't. We don't as a society. I think. It's, I don't want to jump ahead. I know you you you're discussing the point about the, what the church needs to do, but they, yeah. Malcolm Martin is necessary reading you have to read them and i wish every seminarian can take the class that we took Mm. um yeah man i think you're right um we do need to to study these men more and um i I do want to like talk about the church a bit because what um i was so disheartened by uh was especially for uh, Martin Luther King, he, you know, the there's the letter from Birmingham jail right. that 
I didn't know was addressed to the like 10 pastors in Birmingham, but really the, the failure of the white church to really in any real way support the civil rights movement wasn't real support. Um, and it broke his heart. Like, you know, and, and that, that really, you know, woke me up to the fact that Martin Luther King believes Jesus is is preaching the gospel and working mm-hmm. out the gospel right. into how this affects uh, people's lives, and right. that wasn't enough, you know. And, the, and yeah. that just showed mm-hmm. me like the how difficult racism is, uh, right. how ingrained it is into our, everything about our lives and society, including church and Christian leaders. Yeah, I I, I mean. We are, yeah, I, I, th- I think about the permanence of racism in our society um, and how that, it, 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 it almost, almost like when a bull sees red, it has this reactionary um, in, um, um, in, uh, uh, effect when we hear the voice of someone who is of a different, you know, uh, hue than we are. Mm. And, and then unfortunately, uh, people's interpretation of what, you know, King might say has been, you know, jaded by the fact that there's been so much misinformation and so many people who have, who really are racist in my opinion and don't really want to embrace, you know, the fact that the church has messed up, the, the, the white church particularly has messed up and mm-hmm. not, you know, embracing their brothers and sisters of color and their struggle for, for um, to be and under the law and under you know just the our constitution to be treated uh, in in as, as equally in the Imago day um, mm-hmm. as as they are and um, and it, it and then along with that you know kind of that spin you know uh, that this this jading of you know of 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 guys like Martin or people who who come from quote unquote the liberation theology think about like James Cone and you know and others like uh, 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 Cornell West it's it's this this kind of this this Eurocentric kind of very uh, um, very you know um, heady theological approach to everything where when they talk about when I see a lot of um, when I read about justice in my systematic theology textbooks, there's no mention about, you know, what God says about, you know, poverty and justice for the oppressed. Mm. There's no mention about, you know, how everything that's left out from what the prophet Isaiah says and what, you know, um, mm. a lot of prophets in, in the Old New Testament speaking about, you know, justice for those who are downtrodden and oppressed, there's no mention of that. And you can learn a lot about King and his theology. Both Martin and Malcolm, they, they, they speak of things related to like preservation of upliftment of mm. the Imago Dei of all people, not just Black people. And mm. we need to learn about, you know, what King says about the somebodiness of, of people. And, mm. um, and, and, yeah. and, 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 and it's important that we 
we listen to our brothers and sisters, you know, um, who who are in the black church. Um, there's this like distinction of like CMM or like contemporary Christian music and gospel music, right? You, right. you see in our, yeah. you know, and, and yep. you, there's a distinction between black preaching and preaching or what is quote mm. unquote, you know, ex, ex, expository preaching, right? This is how you exegete the text and all this stuff. Right. And, and then, so we, we have these two standards of what is, what is preaching? What is biblical? What is the gospel? You know, our, our gospel has to deal with, you know, um, about being our carnational, I think, and embodying, mm. you know, um, the culture and and understanding the issues that people are dealing with, and 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 aligning uh, with the heart and, and 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 of those who are not just sinners, but who are the most sinned against. You know. Mm. Um, it's Ooh. often the <laughs> that's good right there. That's yeah, good. Did, did y'all hear that? <laughs> Aligning and, and, with those who are most sinned against. That's you can just take that and think on that for a minute. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> no, man, it, it is there. There, we, we unfortunately, um, I think we see a lot theologize with a lot of biases. That prevents mm-hmm. us from understanding the redemptive um, um, aspects of 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 what said theologian or um, um, I, I love to call Malcolm Martin prophets are saying, you know, mm-hmm. because Malcolm is a Muslim or he is a part of the nation of Islam and is later right. became an Orthodox Muslim, we automatically discount what he has to say because he's not Christian or he doesn't, you know, but I think theologically, he's more aligned with justice than so many theologians who, you know, have, you know, kind of this, um, kind of rank up there in our whatever kind of hierarchy of what makes a great theologian in our book. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we, we, we have to listen to the voices of those who are um, crying out and speaking, I think, towards um, the issues of justice um, that and then be able to be, be open to 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 learning from what they are saying and I, I think we, we have to unfortunately what happens is so many white Americans and just people who kind of have a, a particular political um, position because it's not just white americans mm-hmm. um when they who tend to be more conservative they they tend to invalidate other people's experience because they may not necessarily see it you know i, I don't see what you're right. talking about mm. uh, what do you want you know what are you guys complaining about that kind of thing and you, you can be as straight faced as possible and cross every t and dot every i for them and, and they won't be able to see you know what you're talking about you can come as you know you know you can come with tons of credentials and mm. with statistics and all kinds of with volumes of history to show you this that racism is real white supremacy is real white power is still a problem today mm-hmm. in the church and just throughout our world as they they will and they will deny you and by denying what you're saying by denying 
your your testimony of what you are experiencing mm. you know so yeah oof yeah man um yeah it's it's wild how um how complex and complicated things are and it's the fallenness of man and the mm-hmm. systems and structures that we set up and perpetuate. I do want to shout out um, the book, Martin and Malcolm and America uh, by James mm-hmm. Cohn. That was our main textbook. Um, yeah. And this is an excellent book. It is primarily a history book, I'd say. Um, so, you know, James Cohn is, he's pretty, uh, you know, liberal on the theological side. Um but this is this book mainly tells each man's story, compares and contrasts them together, as well as delves into what was going on in America at certain points, um, what was going on in the media as they talked about their ministries. But yeah, it's a fantastic book. I just want to read a quote from the book real quick. Yeah. And what Cone adds, Cone says that black and white Christian churches as well as other religious bodies, really need to practice and preach the gospel according to Martin and Malcolm. If they did, we would have a better America and world. They would not only declare war on racism, but also on militarism, poverty, sexism, and other evils that afflict the human condition. The United States should should not be allowed to continue to spend billions of dollars to build weapons of destruction. Religious bodies should register an unqualified no to death and uncompromising yes to life. Um, And I think that really captures his book. That's his focus is really to say that we need these two, the the church (laughs) needs, the black and white church needs to listen to both of them Mm -hmm. um, because it will help us to align ourselves better to being, I think, a redemptive witness to our world Mm -hmm. and to our, our nation, particularly to a country that right now, um, I think, is trying to understand itself, is trying to find its soul, you know, and its purpose. Mm. Wow. And uh, the, the, the church really, we, we are supposed to be that witness, you know, but unfortunately, I mean, there's division in our camp. <laughs> yeah. And, Oof. Uh, Oof. yeah, man. Yeah, we're, we're supposed to be uh, ambassadors of the kingdom of God, an, another another world, another kingdom um, that mm-hmm. is ruled by Jesus, not uh, not the rulers of this world. And I think too often we, we um, either like to fit into the, you know, the, the ways of this world <laughs> when it comes to um, you know, politics, or we g- completely disconnect ourselves from it. Right. Like, I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to be a part of that at all. I'm not going to talk about it at all. Right. Um, <laughs> which neither of those yeah. are good options or what Jesus calls us to. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we almost like the children of Egypt coming out, you know, of Egypt, we, we complaining and, you know, we want, you know, or like the people of Israel mm. um, coming out of, you know, after, you know, Samuel was a judge, we, we want a king and we want a demagogue, you know, who's going to champion our rights and what we want, not knowing that he or she is going to bring things that really oppress us, you know, um, mm. or our, our brothers, other brothers and sisters who we are not thinking about, 
And so I think the church is so much like Israel in the Old Testament and right now who's mm. rebellious and is not concerned about, you know, who, who neglects the poor, who, who neglects the needs of the widow and the oppressed, and who is not concerned about the justice of those who are experiencing justice. You know, so I think that's where we are as a church. We, we're like rebellious Israel. Mm. Oof. Preach it. <laughs> that's good, man. Oh, man. Um, you know, our only hope is that Jesus died for us and rose from the dead. Like, that is <laughs> <Right>. it. Because <laughs> we are yeah. sinful beyond measure. Uh, our, right. Our good works are filthy rags. And uh, I, I appreciate you, Jonathan, just... Um, being on the mic, being able to say that, um, there's a, you know, we got a lot of work to do and yeah. So I want to, I want to finish up kind of the same way I finish up every interview. I just want to okay. ask you this, this question. If, if, uh, if you could tell majority white church leaders, anything, you know, what would you tell them? Um, what are you willing to give up? <laughs> what are you willing to give up? for the cause of Christ. You know, we say that a lot. Mm. I think we have to also think about, um, now I'm not talking about giving up your material wealth and all that kind of stuff per se. I think everything we have belongs to God and we need to ask the Lord for, you know, his wisdom and, you know, his direction for how we, you know, use what we have, you know, with, you know our material blessings and wealth that he's given us. Right. To, you know, for the, the mission of the kingdom, the Missio Dei, um, but really understanding what is God doing in this moment? What does he want us to do in this season? And what are we willing to give up to make that shift? Because, you know, I, I do believe that some evangelicals are right, that the church is under, in a sense, um, a, a time of, of pruning and some people think of it as we're under we're under persecution, but I I I, I beg to differ. I think we're under a time of judgment mm. at the church right now, and we're we are being judged by the standard of God and His justice and what mm. He wants us to do. There is a reason why, particularly white evangelicals are leaving the church, mm. and it's mm -hmm. because we are a bad witness to the world. Mm. And if we are going to hold on to a theology that does not embody justice as God sees it, we are going to continue to lose um, believers. We are going to continue to alter in our witness to the world. And I, I, I love what, you know, you started in the summer with your book study, uh, the book divided by Emerson and Smith, I think. And uh, Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we had a little book club um, mm -hmm. with a number of uh, church leaders, uh, that I know, uh, we read "Divided by Faith." Divided by um, faith, yeah. Yeah, by mm -hmm. I can't remember their names. Christian and Emerson, yeah. I think, are their last yeah, names. Yeah, Christian, Christian Smith, I think Emerson. That's yeah. it. Yeah, Christian Smith yeah. and Emerson. That is, you know, that's giving up your time to to allow for yourself to to first of all to you need to study, you need to read, mm -hmm. read Malcolm and Martin. <laughs> Come Start on. with some some real you know, meaty and hearty books and texts that will challenge your theology and challenge your your preconceptions about what you believe is just and all those things. You, you need to, of course, come before the spirit 
when it comes to this mm. issue, but have really developed a heart for justice. And um, I think um, a part of being willing to be led by the spirit and also to equip yourself in learning, um, you have to listen. You have to be able to listen to your brothers and sisters who um, who are experiencing injustice, who 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 are oppressed, and to to realize that, you know, um, I'm reading the book uh, by uh, Isabel Wilkerson on caste and uh, the origins of our discontent. And mm. I, I one thing about she talks about she makes this analogy to America as this house, this old house that on the outside looks beautiful, but it has so many structural issues. And mm. people come. To, I was in, I was a part of a cross-cultural um, Bible study this summer, where I, um, where or I'll say cross-ethnic, where some of the white um, participants were saying, "Well, I'm an immigrant, um, and I wasn't, you know, here when the crime happened, <laughs> or oh, the yeah. crimes are still happening." And I see that, and I, you know, I do consider myself to be white, and I would argue with this person, this brother, who traditionally would not have been called white, but because of cultural accommodating to white culture, over time his people became white. Um, mm. um, he, he's our Armenian brother, and I said to him, "Look, um, if if you come into a place like you know a house, right, that you've inherited, and." things like the floorboards are all messed up and you know and the structure is structurally compromised you're just going to leave it that way or you're going to fix it you're going to you know and you know our house is structurally compromised mm. and, and that's putting it lightly and a lot of people don't feel they have the responsibility to do anything they they also often say look well i came here or my parents came here and they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps Mm-hmm. Look at these examples of excellent black honorable at black people who've done these things, you know, to raise themselves out of poverty and these other things. And I always say, so why is it that they have to go? Through, why is it that we still have to um, go around the structural issues and not deal with the structural issues mm. right, that we have in our house that we all inhabit? Um, let's deal with the structure of this issue, right? And um, yeah, I I, um, I I don't believe that um, the church is able to witness effectively if we cannot um, understand the needs because um, because God when He ministers when Jesus ministers He meets your needs not mm. just your your spiritual needs, but your physical needs, right? Right. Both. Both, yeah. And so, you know, I I, I find myself struggling to um, wrap my mind around, especially after this class, how we can, you know, speak about the justice of God and God's judgment and his wrath and not focus on, especially because we, our, our, our evangelicalism is so individualistic it's so focused on personal sin mm-hmm. and but we we, we we tend to forget that you know first of all we have systems of oppression you're dealing with you know not just flesh and blood but you know the powers that be wickedness in high places mm-hmm. and um 
you you mentioned a book from um um to me that you recommended um I think it was Mark Charles um and um mm-hmm. he 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 wrote a book he talks about how it's individuals who who create systems we make systems we 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 are the ones that create you know the systems that we um operate under and those systems then kind of re what's the word they they reinforce mm, this, yeah. the, the beliefs and the values that we put into those systems right right so we, we cannot we, we cannot talk about human sin and personal sin without talking about the system that we are a part of and the structures that we create right because they're reflections of who we are and what we believe and who's and who and reflection of particularly of those who have power right right and so um we need to reckon with as 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 a church you know with our history who we are what we have done and really having a, a wholesome view of justice so that our witness can be effective, in my opinion. I think we, if we cannot witness to the needs of those who um, we, are, we are speaking to, they, they will not hear us. Right. All right. And I think that needs to get straight before we talk about how good our gospel is and our, our exposition is and how good our Greek and Hebrew is. All <laughs> that is great. Right. But if your presuppositions are off, right, and you are not ministering to the needs of those that God has called us to, nobody's going to listen to us. <laughs> All right. Mic drop right there. We got work to do. That's good, man. Uh, that book is Unsettling Truths. Yeah. The ongoing dehumanization, or the ongoing dehumanizing legacy of the doctrine of discovery. Right. It's by Mark Charles and Sunshan Ra. Um, I haven't actually read it yet, but oh, it's man. on my list of books to get to. <laughs> that I mean, good. <laughs> ooh, Mark Charles. I've just heard Mark both separately, Mark Charles and Sunshan Ra. You should just Google them and, and watch YouTube videos of their teaching oh, that man. they do about. They're both, you know, strong Christian uh, evangelicals and they um, talk a lot about. Um, uh, you know how racism uh, affects us um, in so many ways, and Ch- Mark Charles is where I first heard about the doctrine of discovery, um, which is uh, like foundational to um, our our modern concept of racism in so many ways. It's uh, mm-hmm. back in like the 14th century or something like that. Right, right, um, right. But man. Uh, we got to wrap it up. Um, like I said, y'all, I, I always have conversations with Jonathan and like, we could just keep going, talk about yeah, all kinds man. of things. Um, so you got a little taste, a taste. This was a feast right here. This is a whole meal. <laughs> um, so I know you got to take a nap and just let this digest, man, Jonathan, thank you so much for being on the mic. Uh, this has been great. How can people, uh, be connected with you? Like on the interwebs? No, I'm social media is, it's something that I think I, I, I'm trying to ask the Lord to help me with my social media because I struggle with my Instagram. Aren't we all? <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I think I'm day springs 12 in my Instagram. But um, for okay. me, um, I actually am, this is ministry called Sacred 
Heart Ministries that I'm working with. Uh, my father, he is the um, he is a board member of this ministry, Sacred Heart Ministries, and you can follow me there. I'm going to start doing devotionals on there, similar to what you've done. I've seen you do the Tuesday Thursday devotionals. I'm going to do something very similar to that, awesome. and uh, I'll be um, just working with Sacred Heart Ministries as a non for profit. Um, uh, non-denominational and uh, uh, power church ministry that is there to equip uh, leaders, particularly in the urban context, mm. um, to 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 get to ministry people who who typically will not go to seminary. We're trying to kind of bring kind of some of the seminary experience to brothers and sisters who feel the call for Christ. Um, to um, to 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 be equipped to do the work, and we recently had a symposium on race and reconciliation. Mm. Um, I'm hoping that that will be published soon. But if you don't, if you're if not sure to get it, if it will be published on Sacred Heart Ministry, Sacred Call Ministries, um, I think it's scm.org, and it's essentially we are. This is our second year, and we are uh, looking to continue to work with, you know, churches from across different conflicts. Our, in our symposium on race, we had representatives from the white and the black church really discuss the issue of what do we do as a church, you know, when it, in the top, in the area of racial reconciliation. Gotcha. So, um, and what's, yeah, man, what's the website for that again? It's sacredcallministries.org. All right, people, check it out. Thank you, Jonathan, so much. This has been a little, a little bit of a long one, but it's a good one. Yeah, man. 